Welcome back, Grief Nation listeners, and today you'll have the opportunity to hear from Peggy Haynes. Peggy has been helping women in midlife reclaim their voices, reconnecting with their hearts, and start dreaming new dreams. Why does every conversation about midlife have to be about a crisis? Well, Peggy Haynes embraces the mission of changing the conversation for women. She brings a rich background of training and experience to the work of coaching and supporting women in midlife. For over 30 years, she has served as an ordained minister. For over a dozen years, she has worked as a licensed counselor. She's trained, apprenticed, and later worked with the staff of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, international pioneer in our understanding of grief. For over 20 years, she has staffed grief workshops that grew out Kubler-Ross's work. Topics include more than a crisis, redefining midlife. How do I know I'm in midlife? It's more than an age. Challenges for women in midlife. The spiritual journey of midlife. Befriending your regrets. How to reclaim your voice and why it matters. Neglect grief isn't forgotten. How to grieve old losses. Ghost dreams, grieving what you never had. The nest is empty. Who am I now? Embracing change in midlife. She's also a prolific writer. She is an author of six books. Let's welcome her. Hello, Peggy. Welcome to It's the Miami Night Show and It's Grief Talk. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much for coming. Today, Grief Nation, we're going to be discussing resources for women in midlife. Peggy, can you share your grief share or just your journey with this? I'll be glad to. My, my journey with grief is like uh, a lot of folks through working through my own experience. Um, I was a young adult when I decided that maybe it's time to do a little bit of therapy because like my self-esteem was like really, really bad. Yeah. So I get in what I think is going to be about six weeks time and it was like a lot longer. Yeah. Um, but I started realizing that I needed to deal with the abuse that I'd suffered as a kid. And so I got into that. And of course there's enormous grief and all kinds of feelings that come with that. And I was talking with a friend who um, runs a retreat center in North Carolina. And she said, there's a group that meets here every year and I don't know exactly what they do, but it really seems to help. So I signed up and I went and it was, it was called Safe Harbors. It was for folks who had been abused as kids. The, the beauty of it is that the people who led this workshop had trained and worked with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Wow. Who, of course, as, as you well know, and I'm sure most of your, your listeners know, was our pioneer in understanding grief and death and dying. Absolutely. So they came with this, this real sensitivity to the grieving that comes in all kinds of forms. Yes. Like grieving not having a safe childhood mm-hmm. or grieving the things, the opportunities you didn't get. Yeah. So I, I uh, worked with them and I had the chance to train with them. 
and uh, to apprentice with them and to work alongside them, which is like amazing an experience. Yes. <laughs> and uh, that workshop is, is no longer meeting, but we still carry on. There are specifically just grief workshops. Yeah. So all kinds of grief. And they came out of Elizabeth's work and they are held all over the world. Oh, wow. And um, in fact, you can go to a website called externalizationworkshops.com and it will tell you all over the world where people are holding workshops. Okay. I get to uh, staff one in North Carolina and one in Maine every year. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it teaches me again and again and again the power of our grief and how important it is to have those opportunities to have people who will bear witness to our grief. Right. And who will let us have whatever feelings we have without trying to fix it or trying to tell us what we should feel mm -hmm. or trying to tell us, oh, honey, you shouldn't be feeling that now. You should be over that. Mm -hmm. But just creating this safe space yes. where people can do what they need to do with grief. And, and for me, it is such an honor to, to be a part of that yes. and see people heal. And it's so cool because sometimes at the end of the workshop, people look different mm -hmm. from how they look coming in. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like somebody turned on a light. Right. So I, I get excited about the potential for healing. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing that. How are you led to form Heart Calling and what is your ministry or mission there? Well, for a long time, I've been intrigued by the possibilities of the online space. I am both a minister, an ordained minister, okay. and I'm a licensed professional counselor. Mm -hmm. And I just, I, I wanted some way to bring those things together in, in working with people. And one day I was reading a book that was really well reviewed by a young woman and I just couldn't get into it. Mm -hmm. so I tried it again. I couldn't get into it. And she was a good writer. It was a good book, but I just couldn't get into it. Okay. And I finally realized she was dealing with questions that I had dealt with 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't a judgmental thing. Yeah. It's that you have a different set of questions at midlife. Mm, okay. And I realized nobody was there, there weren't a lot of people really addressing that, especially not having the, the spiritual background and the counseling background mm -hmm. and the grief background. Yeah. Because part of what I see with, with people who are working in midlife, you know, there's a lot about great hairstyles for you in midlife and, mm -hmm. and you know, what you should be wearing and, and even things about reclaiming your voice. But people aren't talking about being able to grieve. Yeah. And and sometimes it's grieving the things that or the people or the pets that we lost when we were eight years old. Yeah. And we never got a chance to grieve it then. Because yes. like then it's like, well, if we don't talk about it, then Julie will never notice that her dad's not here. Mm. You know, they just yeah. they talk about it. And that grief doesn't go away. Right. You have to deal with it some kind of way. Yeah. So yeah. One of the things that comes up at midlife is that people have like this bucket of grief that they've never dealt with in their lives. Mm -hmm. And this is a chance for them to really do some healing and even the grief of regrets of, 
you know, I, I didn't marry or I married this person and not that, or mm -hmm. I never had kids or the kids I had didn't turn out the way I thought they would. Mm -hmm. um, and to, to listen to those regrets of, oh, I wish I had done this career. Yeah. And to listen to them and then you can really consciously create the next chapter of your life. Is there an age group that in you know particular to midlife? What what age group are we thinking of? Well, you know, technically if you, you just do it numerically, you would probably say like forty two uh -huh. <laughs> with a life expectancy. Right. You know, I'm not expecting I consider myself in midlife, but I don't expect to live to be like hundred and eighteen. Mm-hmm. So it's generally, it's um, 40s to 60s. Okay. But I really think it's more of a developmental place in life. It's where you're facing transitions. Yeah. You know, it may be the empty nest. It may be you're feeling like you want to make a transition in a relationship or in a job. Right. Um, you just know something's different. Something mm -hmm. is changing. Right. Can you tell us about how servant leadership builds our communities? excuse me, how servant leadership builds our communities. You know, I think servant leadership is really at the heart because it's about what can I offer? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and what can I offer that this community needs or that you need? Yeah. Not that I'm going to offer something because I want to offer it. It doesn't, doesn't matter what you need. I'm going to offer it anyway. Mm-hmm. But there's a real humility of, um, I can offer this to you if this is what you need. And if it's not what you need, we can talk about something else. Right. And it's not doing it for the ego. You know, for me, I get so much satisfaction in my work, whether I'm at a workshop or I'm, I'm working with a, a group of women. You know, twice a year, I, I do a group for women in midlife. Uh -huh. And I get so much satisfaction out, not because they're saying, oh my gosh, you are the most wonderful leader in the world. Mm -hmm. no, I don't care about that. It's because I see people blossoming and yeah. healing and growing and seeing the light comes on. And I think that's what servant leadership is about. Yeah. Investing ourselves for the sake of each other. Oh, I love how you said that. Thank you for sharing that. What is studies for small groups or individuals in your program? One of the things I realized is that there are not a lot of resources for churches who want to do small groups for this age group. You know, there's lots of stuff for young women. Yeah. Not so much for women in, in midlife. And so I'm creating, they're going to be um, starting in April, a group of studies that women, you can use it in a small group. Like if your book club wants to do something different, you can use yeah. it if you want to get a group of friends together and say, hey, let's let's walk this journey together. Okay. Use it. And how they're structured is that they're streaming video and it's not like a 60 minute video. Mm -hmm. It's 10 or 12 minutes. So you can watch as many as you want to as you meet. And then there's a um, guide that goes along with it and you can have the actual hard copy book or you can read it online if you want to. Okay. I'm trying to make it as flexible and as easy for people to take advantage of. Okay. Now the small group solo study for women in midlife is vital to women across the globe and I love the title you chose, I Am Woman, I Am Tired. 
when going through midlife stages, can you coach us through some of the behaviors and or thought patterns to help us identify them? I, I think one of the challenges in midlife, and actually any time in our lives, but it comes ahead in midlife, is being able to listen to ourselves. Yeah. Um, because a lot of times we learn how to listen to everybody else, but we never listen to our own hearts. That's true. And part of it is realizing sometimes these patterns, they don't work anymore. Like when you feel like you have to keep everybody happy and mm -hmm. you please everybody. And the, the day comes up and you're like, oh man, I'm tired. Yeah. I just, I don't want to keep doing this. Mm -hmm. um, when there's a restlessness or sometimes it comes out as anger. Yeah. When, you know, when, when your spouse says, hey, honey, you know, would you bring me some coffee in? And all of a sudden you're yelling at them, you can get your own dang <laughs> coffee. Your legs aren't broken. Been there. <laughs> <laughs> and that's important to pay attention to because sometimes that stuff surfaces. Yeah. The thing is we need to listen to our feelings. Yeah. Not ourselves up for what we think we should or shouldn't be feeling, but listen to what they're trying to tell us. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I absolutely agree. Because a lot of times, like you said, um, it's not what's on the surface, it's what's below, right? It's yeah. a lot of times that, that stuff that we just haven't dealt with. And it just comes out, like you said, with the coffee. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, one of the things that makes us so tired is we create these incredible schedules for ourselves mm -hmm. because we can't say no to anybody. Yeah. And so, you know, we have 43 commitments in a week because, well, we they ask, so we have to do it. Yeah. So part of what this I'm Woman, I'm Tired study does is, is to go through and look at those patterns that we get into mm -hmm. and the faulty beliefs that we have, like we can't disappoint anybody or we have to make everybody happy that keep us locked into this place of running nonstop, not listening to our own hearts and souls and listening to what we need. Yeah. Feeling selfish if we take any time for ourselves. And then to create a, a healthier, saner way of living. All right, yes. Ooh, like that. Grief and no casserole. Tell us about that. Well, you know, in part of the country I live in, um, one of the hallmarks when there's a death is there will be a swarm of church ladies with uh -huh. casseroles in hand. Oh yeah. My mother used to be one of those church ladies and she always had like casseroles in the freezer for, you know, when it, some, yeah. somebody's gonna need it at some point. Yeah. We used to tease her to say, mama, now when you die, we're not gonna need anybody to bring casseroles in. <laughs> we're just gonna go to the freezer and get you stuff. Yeah. Oh wow. So, so that's, that's part of being nurtured and cared for Absolutely. when we have a death. Mm -hmm. But we have all of these other kinds of losses where nobody shows up with a casserole. Like when you get divorced, yeah, you've lost all of those dreams that you had when you got married. Yeah. But nobody shows up from the church and says, oh, honey, let, let me bring you dinner five days right. next week. Wow. Um, when you lose a pet. You know, pets are family members. Yes, they are. Um, 
I, I lost it. I had to euthanize like the first cat of my adulthood. I had a cat growing up, and then when I got my own house, I immediately got a cat. Mm-hmm. And um, she actually got poisoned, and I had to put her down. And my best friend sent me flowers. And I called her and was like, you are the best friend in the world. And she said, Peggy, that's just what we do when someone you love dies. Yeah. So she got it, but a lot of people don't. That's and they true. blame people for, for the grief that they feel over their pets. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mentioned earlier with, with the abuse, for, for some people, they never had any safety in childhood. Now, I had some parts of my childhood that were wonderful and tremendous and I'm grateful for. Mm-hmm. Some people don't have any of that. Yeah. So it's grieving. This is what I didn't get as a kid that I should have had. Absolutely. Wow. So that, that, that study just helps us identify what some of those losses are mm-hmm. and ways that we can grieve them now. Yeah, and you talked a little bit about this next question, um, the 40 life altering changes and how they affect us like with pet loss, but what are some of the others that, you know, people just don't understand that we we grieve from? Uh, One of the big ones that we do talk about a lot is an empty nest. Yeah. And for a lot of women, what, what they wanted to be was a mom. That was the main thing they wanted to be, and so all of a sudden you know, their kids are doing what they're supposed to be doing but you have to figure out who am i now yeah uh sometimes it's loss of a job a career yes um sometimes it's loss of a passion for a job you know you spent all of these years building your career and your job and you wake up one day and it's like i just i don't have that passion anymore yeah. I, I, I want to do something else with my life. Yeah. And that's something that we still need to feel those feelings and understand why we're going through it, right? We need to right. grieve that. Right. And of, yeah. And a lot of times we just think that, oh, I'm just feeling this way. But it can carry on for a long time if we don't assess it, right? Right. And and, and one of the problems is that when we talk about midlife, it, it always gets talked about in terms of crisis. Mm-hmm. You know, Google it, you'll get a whole page of links about midlife crisis. And so when we start feeling those feelings, sometimes we just label it of, oh, geez, I'm going through a midlife crisis. How stereotypical is that? Mm-hmm. But then we don't listen to them and we don't pay attention to them. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it's that, okay, I need to refocus where I am. And sometimes it's that I need to look at making a change, not to need to explore that. Yeah. Um, I also, when I was reading um, about you, I love this saying that you had, birthing a new chapter experience. Tell me about that. Tell us about that. Um, It's a a group experience. Mm -hmm. I've done it twice now, and it has been a four-week group. I'm going to expand it to a six-week group because four weeks just wasn't long enough. each week, I, I give the group a video that addresses one of these things. Like we start out by talking about regret, and I ask them to make a list of their regrets. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of just ignoring them, and then we we listen to them and we make use of them later on. Yeah, a, a lot of the things I've been talking about grief. We talk about um, how to reclaim your voice. 
mm-hmm. and you know how we lose our voices as women in the first place when they don't get heard or, or we're told we're silly or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, how to deal with those negative voices inside our heads. That's a big one. You know, that tell us we're silly or stupid or why did you say that? Yeah. Um, and so we take a, we go on the journey. Now part of it is I, I do a video and then I do a, um, a kind of guide, a worksheet that helps you apply that to your life. Okay. And, but the, the richness of the group is that there's a um, forum. So it's been a Facebook group. Mm-hmm. And so people share in the group. And what happens is like by the third or fourth week, people are really connecting with each other. Yeah. And, you know, they're encouraging each other and they're sharing their insights. And we actually end with, I ask the group to identify one thing that they're going to do differently. Mm-hmm. One concrete change or one thing they want to do Yeah. Uh, going forward. So it's not just something we just talk about and it's nice and then it stays there but it's something they can take forward. And so people are cheering each other on. And so because of that interaction, that's Mm -hmm. why I want to extend the group to six weeks. Yeah. So we'll be doing that again this summer. I I do one in the summer and one in the winter time. It sounds like an amazing experience. I know these ladies get together and they just have such a good time. And then now they have this group that they can always go back and rely, you know, just a, um, a, a village that you have formed for them. Um, that sounds very exciting. I love that. One of my favorite quotes is by Elizabeth Kessler-Ross, um, which is, the most beautiful people we have known are those who have have known defeat, known suffering, known struggle, known loss, and have found their way out of the depth. These persons have an exception, and, and excuse me, appreciation, sensitivity, and an understanding of life that fills them with compassion, gentleness, and a deep loving concern. Beautiful people do not just happen. And I just love that quote, but when I was reading on you and just, you know, getting the opportunity to, um, before I was asking you to come on and I just read a lot of information about you, I read something that really stood out for me that you said as well. And it's also a new quote that I would like to add (laughs) to my repertoire of quotes, just to remember, um, this work drives me because a life that reaches midlife is a gift indeed. And I just thought that if I just look back over my life and I think about, you know, how dedicated I am to um, this work that I'm out here doing as well, um, it is a gift. And I just appreciate that from you. And that I know that came from your heart because I could feel it. Yes. Thank you so much. Do you have a favorite quote that you would like to share? Uh, one of my favorites um, comes from Stephen Levine, who has done a lot of work with, with grieving folks and dying folks. Yeah. And he says, grief is the rope burns that are left when what we love most is ripped from our grasp. And I just, I so love that image because, you know, people will apologize to me for grieving. And I say, how can you not grieve? You had a heart connection with this person. Yes. And they've been taken away from you. How can you not grieve? Wow. I love that. Ooh, that, that felt really good. <laughs> I'm 
can we reach you to support your mission? I just love everything that you do and I'm ex so excited about your your programs. How can they how can someone reach you? Well, you can always find me at heartcallings.com. Mm -hmm. And there you will also find my blog and my podcast. I have a podcast called uh, Making Midlife Matter. How did you hear about me? I actually connected with you on LinkedIn. <laughs> okay, great. I just happened just to want to know. I'm like, you know, sometimes I just, I would like to know, you know, how I'm reaching um, my guests. And um, I, I love staying connected. And I just really want to, um, the grief world is, it's, it's, it's a huge part of life. And a lot of people just don't know the terminology and, you know, um, they could actually be going through a certain situation that, you know, just by listening to brief podcasts or um, being a part of our world and the, the ones that are educating and the experts in this field, um, I just want a lot of people just to come, just even if you're not going through anything right now, just just to learn the things that we're saying and, and you know, to hear about what's going on in our world and especially the things that we're saying to say and not to say, you know, just to um, kind and, to, and, and learn how to support someone who's grieving. Um, so is there any um, any misconception that you would like to change or bring awareness to um, that's in the grief world? Um, I, I think it, this is a kind of a general misperception. Well, in, in the grief world, there's been a lot of conversation about how um, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's five stages of grief are kind of wrong. So it doesn't work that way. Oh, thank you for talking about this. And actually Elizabeth, and of course I, I work with the people who worked with her for many, many years. Um, she never intended it to be like stair steps or yeah. that you yeah. check off one, you, you do anger and then you check that one off and you never have to do anger again. Right. Um, that was never the intention. And, and the best image I've heard for, for it uh, comes from the writer Anne Lamott, who says it's really like that big wheel on Wheel of Fortune. It spins mm -hmm. around and one day you may land on acceptance, and feeling right. all peaceful. And the next day mm -hmm. or even the next minute, you may yeah. feel like you're back at square one. And that That's doesn't right. mean that you really are back at square one. It just means it's not a linear process. Right. Thank you. Thank you for saying that because that's what you get a lot of times, especially with different um, resources of grief. Okay. Like they'll say, well, there's no stages or there. Well, to me, it just depends on the individual. Um, for me, it gave me a reference to know that I may be experiencing these different um, parts of grief. Um, and it helped me to just feel okay that I'm going through that today. Just from, it gave me some structure to my grief. Um, and just, I was just reading the other day online that um, David Kessler has come out now with the sixth stage, um, adding two, because um, you know, he was such a big part of, of, of Elizabeth's work as well. Um, so I just think it's just because we always are evolving. So that's why how there may be another, we, we just don't know, but I'm just grateful that there was some type of structure out there so that I could relate to, you know, as far as my emotions. Yes. And Elizabeth, I mean, that came from her first big book and she continued to evolve. Well, yeah. And as she worked with more people and listened to more people. So it, it is a process, but we don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, 
and also right. English was not Elizabeth's first language. So mm -hmm. sometimes things get a little bit lost in translation. But also she was not only uh, talking about the death and the dying, she was also having the experiences with the families, of course, yes, right? Yes, the way she began, I'll, I'll try to say this quickly, she was asked to teach a class at the med school, didn't know what else to do, so she brought a patient out, the young woman who's dying of cancer, and let her talk about what it was like to be young and dying of cancer. Yeah. And people were scandalized, but it was so helpful, most of all for the patient. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's when she started her workshop. She started focusing on patients. But really quickly, she realized that the family members, friends and family members, needed that same kind of support too, because right. they were going through their own process. So, I mean, that's how she developed her work. Right. Well, I support her work. I'm grateful for her work. And I just really appreciate you for um, expressing that and letting us, you know, have some, you know, there's so much, of course, on the internet and the, the back and forth if there is if there isn't it's at the end of the day it's your own journey what you're going through but a lot just like a, a, you stated up before uh, a lot of times it's just us needing to understand and feel our own feelings, right you know and trying to distinguish what our journey is as opposed to what somebody else's is but I definitely support her work I am so glad that I had you on the show today thank you so much Peggy for coming I really appreciate it well I want to express my thanks for your work and how important it is and you said earlier about you know you may not be going through a grief right now that is so important um yeah i had been working in this area for many years when the time came for me to take care of my parents in their last years mm -hmm. and i was able to do that and i was able to sit with my dad as he died because i had been exposed to all of this work and I have been doing yeah. all of this work all along and I was so grateful for all that it gave me so thank you thank you for what you're doing thank you so much and trust me we'll be speaking again yes. have a good oh, day. thank you well, there you have it, Grief Nation listeners, and thank you for tuning in to Resources for Women in Midlife with Peggy Haynes. Stay tuned for upcoming Grief Talk segments. With much love and light, I'm your Master Grief and Energy Coach, Miami Knight. It's Miami Knight, your Master Grief Coach. Shop at my night collections where all things are decor. Get your bedding, draping, decor wear, event supplies, and more. Click shop and adore at my night collection decors. <laughs>